You are listening to Club Elevate here on Area 3000 Radio. The show and its guests pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land that this is being recorded on here in Nam. The show and its guests pay respect to the Wurundjeri people, elders past and present. Hello, welcome back to Club Elevate here on Area 3000 Radio. Thank you for tuning in, as always, from wherever you are in the world. As I'm recording this, I'm coming off Pitch Music and Arts. What a festival. Probably the best music I've heard at a festival to date. In fact, easily. Top three sets for me. It's a tough one, but I've just tried to do it anyway. In no particular order were Effie at the Pitch Black stage, Kiki on main stage, and probably Mano Latuff during the day uh, at main. Just absolutely nailing that vibe of the driving tribal bush techno that just oh oh, you had to be there and if you were how sick was it anyway actually i've got a bit of an idea i'm gonna run a competition submit your favorite set from pitch to the show and i'm gonna tally up all of them and if your set's in the top three you're gonna go in the running to win a free club elevate t-shirt before they drop and that's all from me about that Let's get on to track of the month. Thanks again for all the banging submissions. As always, easily, easily record amount of submissions this time around. Appreciate you all. This month's track of the month, though, was submitted by Nam Local, Ash Lucky. He submitted Where Are You? I Beat the Mix by Spritz, which, secrets out, is actually Spray's alias, Need I Say More? This is part of a mammoth annual VA from Radiant Records, which celebrates International Women's Day. All proceeds from this one going towards people affected by the war in Ukraine and those affected by the recent earthquake in Turkey and Syria. What a beautiful song. It was actually played by Peach at Pitch. I was not there and I wish I was. Uh, And when I listened to it, when it was submitted, it just instantly restored all of my serotonin levels. So, big ups. Uh, But no, seriously, what a happy, vibey song. It's got that classic, punchy spray kick, which is basically in all of his songs. Um, It's very him. I didn't actually realise it was him when I listened to it, but then now I listen back, I'm like, ah, of course. Very happy, upbeat vibe, which I reckon this song is going to be heard around many daytime D floors globally. Thank you, Ash, for the submission and Spritz for producing this gem. And big love to Radiant Records and all involved there doing a great job. Go check out the rest of the VA. There are some absolute heaters on there. And go and buy it. It's for a good cause. Now, on to our guest super pumped to have him in the studio goodness me a very funny character and i'm sure you'd know who it is if you saw what's been happening on socials just want to preface this again we've had some audio issues again i know it's probably user error with me not setting up the audio interface correctly and i apologize we're trying to get it sorted so forgive me for the quality of both the chat audio and the mix audio anyway enjoy
The next guest that we have on the show and here in the studio with me hails all the way from Scotland. He is a producer, DJ, music label and events label head of Karaus. He plays with high energy and big sounds of hard-hitting rave and techno and has the ability to produce a range of genres, stemming from his former electro production background. He has been out here in Australia playing shows around Melbourne, Geelong, and is about to play in Sydney and Adelaide, and has been taking the rest of the world by storm with a flurry of shows and new releases. I'm very lucky to be sitting down with the one and only Frank here on Club Elevate. Welcome, my friend. Hello, hello. Well, I love the introduction that was. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure to be here. Welcome to Australia. How has it been for you? It's been good, yeah, yeah. It's like, I think, uh, like, culture-wise, like, Australia's pretty pretty similar to, to Scotland. We're all uh, pretty sound, uh, love a bevy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, pretty similar culture, so I felt, I felt like, really comfortable being here. Um, it's just the, the weather that's taken a bit getting <laughs> used to, to be honest. I think when I left Scotland, it was about, like, four degrees, maybe. Four? Yeah, about four. So wow. It's uh, cranked up about 30 degrees, <laughs> but yeah, I'm loving it. I'm yeah, loving it. definitely. I mean, like today and tomorrow, for those of you playing at home, you'll probably be listening to this in March, but right now, uh, t- I think today was like 37 degrees and Frank actually messaged, messaged me saying, <laughs> complaining about how he's, well, not really complaining, <laughs> just stating facts of how you've actually never, ever been yeah. in this sort of heat, ever, which no. is... um. Which is really interesting because um, we obviously have it, you know, pretty regularly in summer. Um, but how's it all been for you in terms of you know getting here, playing shows, you know, meeting a whole new bunch of people, and yeah, um, yeah obviously playing to some pretty sick crowds. Yeah, it's been really nice. Uh, so it's pretty much um, one eight eight norm. Big ups, Calm and Tom that uh, got me Good. over here. Great. Um, I think they essentially kind of went to book me for their show so they um, put together a tour to kind of make it worthwhile for me to come over um, so yeah I managed to get two in Melbourne set up and then the one in Geelong and uh, Sydney and Adelaide so um, yeah we're, we've done the, the Melbourne and Geelong legs so far um, the two of them at Melbourne one of them was at uh, third day so it's like a day party it was the first time I'd kind of played like a day party actually because <laughs> I've not really kind of experienced the festival circuit yet and obviously we don't really do day parties in Scotland because for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was really nice. Um, really uh, flattering as well. Just the kind of the feedback that I got from being like the other end of the world. Like I went onto the dance floor uh, for a little bit third day and so many people like coming up to play Wigga photo. Um which I've kind of like gone used to a little bit like back home now like if I'm playing in Edinburgh but to be in Melbourne like the other end of the world and like that many people are just like buzzing to see you coming up to you um, yeah it's a nice feeling yeah I, I bet and I, actually um, I heard a pretty interesting t- statistic the other day was the most uh, listens to your music uh, statistically on SoundCloud 
the highest is Dublin, to which you've actually never played there. Is that right? Yeah, and that seems to be a curse city. But <laughs> and then and then the second highest is Melbourne. Yeah, so well, for I think uh, yeah, it was probably about second second or third place for like a like a pretty long period of time. Um, but then after those two gigs in Melbourne, the first weekend, um, I went back on SoundCloud and they'd taken the number one spot now. So now <laughs> oh, M- yeah. Melbourne has now dethroned uh, Dublin and Melbourne is my number one city in the whole world. Yeah. So that kind of explains, obviously, like, the, the response I got, but it's still just wild how, like, I guess, like, music can just connect you with people around the world. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, you're so far away. Yeah. But as you said, you know, probably reflects a little bit, you know, as you said, culturally, um, yeah. you know, the party scene is pretty, um, I, I guess, like, it's probably got some similarities. I've, I've been partied in Scotland. I'd love to. So yeah. if I'm ever there, you have to take I'll home. I'll you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you actually threw a pretty sick party the other day, wasn't it, with, um, did you host that? Was that with DJ Harsh? Yeah, so I was like, it's kind of like a co-pro with an art promoter, but I was uh, hosting it and oh, also... Okay. DJing as well, so How sold out night. Yeah, amazing. yeah, it was really good. A little bit kind of stressful. We we arrived. Uh, I picked up the Heartstring Boys from the airport, and we arrived with like ten minutes to go before their set. Shit. Um, so uh, <laughs> it was kind of just like getting them out of the club, getting them to the green room. Like we go to the green room, and there's like forty people in the green room, and they're all like, "Oh yeah, how you doing?" I was like, "Not right now, guys. They got to be on in like five minutes." Um, so yeah, we got them all sorted, and then they started DJing, um, and then I, I closed. But yeah, it was good. Good night. I was kind of like slightly treating it as like a bit of a leaving party for myself as well, which is maybe a bit dramatic because I'm only away for a month. But so <laughs> so long as I've been away from home, to be fair. So yeah, um, I mean, it's a big stint, and you're going a long distance too. Yeah, exactly. So I had all my mates there, which was pretty nice. Yeah, we're doing great. Yeah, it was good. Oh, heaps of fun. Uh, uh, DJ Heartstring are actually playing in Melbourne in two weeks, on oh, the 25th. Yeah, I think they, um, I think me and Cal might be coming to that, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, Do it. But yeah, I think, because uh, it's like X-Club and like Miley Serious, I think, yeah, as well. Sam Alfred. I think I, yeah, because I spoke to Sam at uh, third day as well. So I think it's like everyone on that lineup, if you'd like, had some sort of interaction with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, yeah, all Alfie's, class, Alfie's a good man. He's also a friend of the show. Um, yeah. We're lucky enough to have him in the studio here. Um, so in terms of the chat, I usually structure things and just also kind of let it flow out. It's a bit of a mix, but I always like to start, if I can, with how we met. We actually only met today, but um, it all kind of started when uh, you commented on one of the shows where we featured one of your tracks as Track of the Month, yeah. <laughs> like we used to. What a, what a, what a banger first thank up. You, but um, you. pretty cool that uh, you know we're able to connect in that way. How did that even come across? to you like how did you even see that um do you do you remember i can't remember how i came across i think it was like a a tag that i got maybe Uh, but um yeah i went i went on soundcloud and listened back and uh yeah it was it was really nice because like i think especially i guess like the more popular you start getting you start getting like tagged in like a lot of things but it's normally maybe maybe just someone playing your track and stuff like that and it's all like really cool to see um but like it gets a bit like you kind of get used to it like a wee bit yeah, a, a wee bit but um like when I, I seen that one it was 
Well, normally you'd made a like track of the month as well, which is quite nice. But then, like, just like listening to like someone like describe your track, like you kind of like dissected it a little bit, <laughs> which is quite cool because like I've never really normally experienced that because like sometimes like I just make uh, like my tracks kind of just on like intuition a wee bit. So to then have someone almost like review it. It was just quite nice to listen to, and it was obviously like nice things that you're saying. Yeah. It'd be shit if you're doing like a review and you're like, "This track was fucking terrible," but, <laughs> but no, it was a good review. So it was a um, good review. Yeah, it's it nice to listen back to that, and uh, yeah, it was part of the reason I was like happy to come down here as well. Yeah, that kind of like made the connection. Yeah, well. definitely. And it's as you said before, it's amazing what music can do. Yeah. Um, when I asked you that just before, it just kind of reminded me. When I asked you, oh, how did that, you know, come across? How did you come across that? Um, it's like kind of you know when companies are like you know how did you hear about us and you have to like list <laughs> that's just what it reminded me of. I'm like oh, yeah. you sound your so, friends you sound so, yeah yeah it was a you know a wall post or through a friend or Google or Facebook LinkedIn LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> got the got Club Elevate sent to you on LinkedIn that would be a first yeah. anyway but it's been lovely to meet you and yeah, so glad to have you out here um, but I guess. I also like to really get a bit of context with each guest and how they got into dance music. So, obviously, you're into the more harder, yeah. um, you know, ravey sort of techno, but I know there was, you know, a little bit of electro mm. beforehand. Um, how do you pronounce your previous alias, by the way? Uh, Vigil. Vigil. Yeah. yeah. So, I know that it stems from, you, you know, productions and things stem from that, but how did you originally get into music and then dance music for you? Um... So I guess getting a dance music, that'd be going like way back to like probably as soon as I turned eighteen, I was like going to like clubs and stuff like that. Um, there's a club in Edinburgh called uh, Studio Toy Four. I almost forgot what the number was at the end because it's been so long now. But that was like a like an infamous club in Edinburgh, but it's it's been shut down now. Oh, um, yeah, but that was like where I kind of cut my teeth like in the club and scene like as soon as I turned 18 and then uh, yeah just kind of I think the more you get involved the more you kind of start having like a kind of like a you become like more of a head in the scene if you know what I mean um, what sort of music was at club uh, Studio 24 yeah um, I mean it was kind of a mix like they had like a, a kind of variety of nights a lot of them were mainly techno but they had uh, receiving like a night called Cosmic. That was like a Psytrance night, and uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Psytrance, but like we did, unfortunately, go a lot of the time. But it was more just like <laughs> it kind of had like a community like around the club. Like everyone was there. It was just like good vibes. Um, and there's still like there's a lot of clubs in Edinburgh that have kind of like carried that on. But um, yeah, I feel like Studio was kind of one of a kind a little bit. But um, yeah, it was largely techno, and then I started kind of listening to more techno. Um, so like one of my biggest like heroes is probably uh, Dave Clark. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mind seeing him like a couple times live and like his like mixing style and because he's kind of he's obviously been around for a while. Yeah, and he plays like that kind of nineties style of techno. Whereas it's we've kind of almost done a full circle a wee bit. It's coming back to like the kind of harder, faster stuff. Probably getting faster than it was back in the nineties. But that was uh, part of like the inspiration for me. Um, so yeah, that's probably what got me into it, but then, uh, it was probably, I guess only about when I was like 20 or 21, which is about five, six years ago now, 
that I started kind of looking at like DJing and stuff as like a career. At what at what stage in that? Like, so obviously you're looking at it as a career. What were you doing at the time? Were you at uni or were you uh, working? Or yeah, so I've, I've had quite like a I've had a sporadic kind of life today. Um, but I think like it's because I've always like I'd say like done. I've made like decisions on just like what I want to do at that moment in time, and that's kind of what I recommend that everyone should do. I think because mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of find themselves in like a stagnant position and then like don't change it. But I've always just kind of if I avoid to like change something, I've just changed it. Um, so I was doing recruitment. That was like the longest job that I had. So I worked in recruitment for like two and a half years, and it was like a, a good job. Uh, I was making like decent money for my age. Um, but I'd, I'd, at that moment in time I decided that I wanted to go to university because it's free in Scotland and uh, I kind of like the social aspect of it um, so I left that like potential good career and then just decided to go to university from the uh, I put away like savings from when I'd done recruitment and that's what when I bought like my first setup. Um What was that? It was actually it was quite decent. Like the the mixer was like a Behringer mixer, so that was like the kind of the weaker part of it. It was only like three hundred pound the mixer, but <coughs> I had a two XDJ one thousand Mark twos, I think. Oh yeah, nice. So yeah, it was quite yeah. decent. Like probably like accurate to what you'd probably play in the club. And uh, yeah, that that's kind of when I first started proper like practicing DJing. Um, I think at that point, then that's when I'd already kind of set my mindset on like I would be a DJ um, but yeah I went to uni done two years of university you needed four years in, in Scotland to get like a degree but I started my third year and uh, it started getting quite hard so <laughs> I was what were you like, studying? Uh, business management so like kind of <laughs> pretty unrelated as well and like all since uh, from starting in uni I was working in a bar as well so I got to third year and I was like working in a bar, trying to DJ, like put on my night. Um, and um, yeah, so working in the bar and doing university as well. Um, Busy. So yeah. And partying. It, yeah, exactly. You got to fit that in somehow, <laughs> drinking buck fast. Um, First shout out. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to get to five. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the sponsorship quota. <laughs> five for the show. Um, but yeah, I got to... Like third year, and it was just becoming too much, so I just uh, I decided to drop out of uni, which is like another thing that um, would be like, oh, that's like a rash decision. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I was just like confident that like DJing was what I wanted to do in my life, and like a business management degree wouldn't like benefit me in any way. Um, so done that, and then was kind of continuing to work in bars, and then. Pretty much doing that up until I became full-time DJ, but the I did do the last job that I had was um, as an events manager at a club. Yeah. Um, so I done that for about six months up until September, but I was so just September like, last year. Yeah, last year. Okay. But it was it was pretty like full on, like forty-five hours a week, Monday to Friday, and then I was starting to get like bookings at least like once a weekend, sometimes Friday Saturday. I mean, it was just like too much to kind of do them all. So yeah, I bet. Since September, that's when I've been kind of full-time DJ. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. And when 
that kind of follows on like at what stage during that time so obviously working you know quite hard at what stage did you kind of realize that you know this is actually real and you can do it full time as a dj um only pretty recently then yeah i guess it's pretty recent but i've always like because maybe it's the kind of business acumen i've got but like i'm always like a big believer of like uh just um ambition and like having belief in yourself and like like anyone's like capable of anything i think Mm. um but you also need to kind of be smart about it and like how you approach things um and i think when i was starting out i think there's like a business term for it something like success role modeling but it's kind of like where you identify like people that are essentially doing what you want to do and then you look at what they've done and how they got there um so even like from being a promoter there's like some djs that i booked that are like not like huge djs um but like you book them and obviously you see their fee so then you can kind of like work out that like if they're doing x amount of shows and i've just paid them this and here's how much they're probably making so i kind of like worked out quickly like what level you need to get to to make like a living off it and like not talking like a huge amount of money but just like like a, a minimum wage sort of salary um and that was kind of my goal uh was to just be able to kind of quit the day job and i had like a like a trajectory that i was like on course for um and i think had i not really uh, hear the sound i probably would have like got to that point maybe like at the rate that I was going at, probably like the end of this year, I reckon, I probably would have been able to like quit the day job and go full time. But obviously, here the sound just made that kind of arc go like really like steep. So yeah, it's one of those things that you, you can never really like bank on like having like a viral track, because I think there is like quite a a large element of luck. Like it's obviously got to be like a good track, but like sometimes like. It can just be like a perfect storm when you get like a track that just goes as viral as that. Mm. So you can never really like bank on that, which that's not what I was doing, but it definitely like sped things up for me a lot. Yeah, it, I mean, like I knew about you before you released that, and you know, a lot of people did, especially here in Melbourne. But yeah. it's amazing, um, you know, even I could see it from just even like a social media perspective. Yeah. Um, after the release of that track. Um, you know, there's so many videos of you playing it out, and the crowd just going ballistic. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool. It's like, the, it's the phone effect of that track. Yeah, like, I, I kind of, uh, I've gotten used to it a little bit now, but I, it used to just make me laugh. Like when I'd start playing it, and you just hear the crowd start screaming, and all the fucking phones start coming out. And I'm like, okay. the phone effect. Yeah, yeah. so like, that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good sign. Yeah. It's um, yeah, speaking of like like being on camera how did you find um her yeah it's good it wasn't like i was uh getting quite nervous like beforehand to be honest because it's one of those things like just when you're recording a mix like uh like, you could be like a class dj but as soon as you hear that record button you're like oh fuck i'm just <laughs> fucking up everything yeah. um, and with a mix too like people listen to it so intently that like yeah if it's you know tracks don't work well together if it's out of time you can really notice whereas if you're obviously exactly. in a club like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah you make a blunder in a club and like everyone's kind of already pretty goosed anyway, so they won't really, <laughs> they won't really like even notice it. And then even if they do, you just move on. Yeah, exactly. But with like a, a mix, it's there for like eternity. And then also, it's not even just a mix that you you got yeah, like video. the video as well. So it's like a bit more pressure in that sense. But um, did you spend much time like thinking about what you're gonna wear? Not so much. I did. I did buy a new sweater for it, and it's a little long sleeve black dickies. But uh, <laughs> that's just because uh, I didn't actually bring too many clothes to Berlin, and uh, I was there for like four days, so it was I more just to buy some clean clothes to wear. Uh, <laughs> I I heard you pack pretty lightly anyway. So in Australia, <laughs> uh, in Australia, you rocked up with just a small backpack, even though you're here for a, a month. Yeah. Uh, what about? Uh, you rocked up to Lost Village with just a backpack <laughs> and a couple of bottles of wine, which yeah. ended up getting confiscated <laughs> off you. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Those were like my, the wing was like about 50% of my inventory as well. And then I, I had to chuck that away. Um, and I heard hypothermia was potentially on the Yeah, climb. it was definitely, it was pretty uh, close to the bone, to be honest, <laughs> a couple of points. Yeah, I'm not really, I think that was the first, actually, it wasn't the first camping festival. It would have been better if it was the first, because I could like, blame it on naivety, but it was more <laughs> just stupidity, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not sure what the inspiration was. Um, I, I, maybe I was thinking, like, it was August, so it's still kind of summer, and I could get a bit like the tent would be quite warm but yeah <laughs> note to self bring a sleeping bag to a camping festival so. so can you just like tell us what was in your actual backpack like quantity wise yeah so i think like the majority of it like obviously a couple of changes of clothes but the majority is probably just bevy and uh some food <laughs> uh and i, I think yeah, I don't think there was any kind of camping gear at all, to be honest. I think because we were sharing, we were sharing a tent, so someone else was taking that, and then like my ex, so she had like a sleeping bag as well. I think I was trying to like, like <laughs> see if we could squeeze into like one sleeping bag together, but there just wasn't space. Like she kind of just let me die in the cold. But <laughs> it was uh, it was an experience anyway. Right. I ended up they had like a little. Uh, store that you could like buy shit from so i got one for the second night but yeah. <laughs> it's funny that they sell sleeping bags at a festival i like that <laughs> yeah, it's actually people call. like me that. i reckon that you wouldn't have been the only one yeah hopefully speaking of do you want to tell us a little bit about buckfast we've had it mentioned oh, a little bit on the show before from some previous guests so uh this interview was brought to you by buckfast uh <laughs> no it's uh it's it's uh, a tonic wine so I quite like a little note that it says on the bottle. It says, the name tonic wine does not imply health-given or medicinal properties. Um, it definitely makes me feel better when I drink it. So, I mean... <laughs> uh, but yeah, it seems to have been like, just adopted by Scotland, even though it's not actually Scottish. It's made down in England. But um, yeah, it's just like a kind of fortified tonic wine, 15%. Uh, we call it Rex the Hoose Juice. Because it's just it's really high in like caffeine as well. So like, if you're a skull of all of this, and you're gonna be pretty, pretty loose. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we also we have like a couple like traditions. Don't ask me what any of them mean because I don't actually fully understand. But one of them is that like, you give a little crack with the bottom of your elbow. Maybe you can do two elbows. <laughs> there you go. And then there's also a thing with um, like the the number. So this is a number four. So we all just like 
your mate asks you what number it is, and you're like, oh, number four, and they're like, oh, uh, yeah, okay. But like, they don't actually mean anything, <laughs> so we just say it. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it, and then crack it. We'll get that on the microphone. There we go. Beautiful sound. I'll let you do the honours. Thank you. Yeah, big swig of that. <laughs> Fuck fast. <laughs> Makes you fuck fast. <laughs> that's, that's the word on the street. What's your thoughts? I actually like it. No, yeah. it's actually pretty good. It's definitely strong though. Like, mm. you know that there's a bit of alcohol in that. Yeah, it's, sure. got a, it's got an Dave, our cameraman, is just going to have a quick swig. It's nice, right? I yeah, actually like good. it. Nice. It's good. That's a good response. Normally, like, a lot of people just nah, don't like it. But nah, I'm a fan I, I can understand why it's that's a good. It's, it's yeah, it it's is. I like how same with the caffeine as well. So it's like, it's just like a good like a weekend drink. I don't actually. It was more like I probably used to drink it more when I was younger. But where did you find it here in Australia? Uh, well, funnily enough, there's actually an app called like Find My Butt Fast or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably developed by like some Scottish guy that's <laughs> travelled the world um, searching uh, for uh, Buckfast stores. But nice. it comes in really useful. But I don't think it's always like regularly updated. Because when I was in Berlin for my horse set, there was only one place on it, and uh, they didn't have it. But then I got a suggestion from our place and came in with a clutch. That is clutch. But from this one, there was actually quite a lot of places in Melbourne. But I got this one from uh, Fitzroy Sellers. Big up Fitzroy Sellers. Shout out. Yep. Gonna head there after this. <laughs> $28 though. But I mean, I guess it is like a, an import, isn't it? But yeah. like, we'd pay like, it used to be even cheaper, but nowadays it's like eight, nine pound. Oh, really? Pretty strong. $28 is pretty well. Apparently, someone sent me like a message on Instagram, someone from uh, Geelong, um, and they, there's only a couple of places you can buy it there, and it's like sixty dollars a bottle. <laughs> so like, you be might better. as well just fucking be better. <laughs> so you might as well just drive it to Melbourne. It'd be cheaper to buy it there. Yeah, not with petrol these days. Unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to the music because I'm very intrigued. So, Vigil, did I pronounce that correctly? You did, yeah. Vigil. So I actually didn't know that was you for like a while and then I don't know I was just doing a bit of research and then realized that that was you so Vigil obviously is more that sort of still got that harder element to it but it's more electro based Um, what do you think do you like why did you make the change to to start releasing under Frank in in a different genre Um, well I guess because I went, because uh, I probably, like I said, I've been like producing and DJing for about like five years now, and like a lot of it was like a learning process, and like um, my attitude is just like kind of learn as you go. So like, even when I first started producing, like there's tracks that I probably put up on SoundCloud maybe like three, four years ago that I thought were like okay to go on SoundCloud, but then a couple years later, you end up improving. Like so much, and then you listen back, and you're like, these sound terrible, and you delete them. So it was more just kind of, I guess, like part of my evolution as a producer. Um, not only did I feel like I got a lot better as a producer, but I also like just kind of found 
the kind of sound that I wanted to play a bit more. Because for me, I'd say like what you kind of produce is probably like if you've got like a peak time main room slot, like what would you be playing? And uh, as much as like I love electro, it, it, to me it's not really like if I'm in the club, whether I'm like DJing at peak time or I'm just like uh, on the floor, like. I, I just want like kind of floor to floor like sort of techno music. I just like enjoy dancing that. Like I do like electro, but it's it's like it's not as like danceable for me. I kind of prefer just like listening to it. Um, so I want my productions to align with kind of the music that I'd be playing. Yeah, that's um, fair enough. So there's that, and then also I just like I was I wasn't feeling the name as much to be honest. Because <laughs> like you're saying a wee bit there, like uh, a lot of people just wouldn't uh, pronounce it right. Um, and I think I ended up finding out I'm sure it means like other things and I think in like French it means like security guard or like the bouncer <laughs> or something. so I was like I don't want to be getting confused for like the bouncer <laughs> uh, where's Vigil? <laughs> the bouncer no the DJ um, get so, Vigil in here <laughs> get a Vigil in here he's playing uh, so where I was the like, fuck's the security guard playing? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like yeah just uh I'll just change it. I can't go wrong with Frank, given that it's my actual name. Um, nice and easy. Yeah, it is nice and easy. But yeah, it was just nice to kind of switch up a bit. What about PolyFX? Oh, <laughs> you've done your research, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's how it's similar. That probably wasn't even, I think at that point, that was like obviously my first alias, and I was like... Um, I'd like, been producing long enough, and I'd started actually making like complete tracks and uh, I was putting them on SoundCloud I think what sort uh, of was it electro? nah it was a lot of them were kind of just like quite a lot of housey stuff okay um, I think what I can't it. this man do? <laughs> <laughs> jack of all trades master <laughs> um, I think um, yeah there are a lot of kind of housey ones one of them was a kind of uh, that uh, Lil Uzi Vert Exo Tour Life I've done like a house remix of that that's one that sticks out that was an old Poly FX one but that was like what's her name is that as well Poly FX I, I think I was <laughs> I was starting like producing and I was like just trying to grab like musical terms from out there I was like Poly um, <laughs> FX yeah that sounds cool why not yeah. um, but it wasn't really like personal at all um, and obviously that was like early production and I was just putting music on SoundCloud just to, it was more even just to get like feedback, mm. which is something that like I'd recommend. Cause like, I get like, you get a lot of people that are like just starting out and like, uh, they send you your music, even like some like mates and stuff like that. And uh, they send you your music, like wanting feedback. Like, like sometimes that can be like beneficial, but I, I think a lot of the time, like music can be so subjective that it's like, why does it matter, like, maybe one person's opinion? I think, like, just put your music on SoundCloud, let the world hear it. Um, you get a bit of feedback off that. Um, you just kind of, like, learn as you go, sort of thing. Mm. But, That's yeah. a really good point. Because yeah, I think there's a, a bit of a... I don't produce music, but, you know, from what I gather from speaking to people, there's kind of this weird, um, you know, balance of, like, wanting to put stuff out there to you know see how people receive it but also you know the uh, the elements of like perfectionism and yeah. you know not wanting to put stuff out there because 
you know, you're always wanting to continue to work on it and you don't think it's, like, up to standard or good yeah. enough. So it's, it, it is a tough one, I guess. No, totally. Did you find that with you? Yeah, 100%. But it's like, I guess it's just kind of like a mental hurdle that you need to get over because, like, so many producers can be, like, sitting on tracks that are, like, maybe 90, 95% complete and they're looking for that kind of last 5% to, like, finish the track and for it to all come together. But like, a lot of time that kind of might never actually come and uh, I think it's just important to know like when a track's finished and like I said like ultimately like you're, you're always going to like continue to learn um, so I think even if you go back to that like poly effect stage like I was like the, I was finishing tracks and then I was just like I thought they sounded at that time I thought they sounded good so then I was like putting them on uh, SoundCloud and like some of them were getting a bit of feedback and that kind of that kind of encourages you just the feedback like people listening to your music because I feel like at the end of the day that's what any kind of creator wants is they want like their art to be seen mm. um, and that kind of motivates you but then the more you the more you learn like the more you realise like how little you know and then you start learning more and uh, obviously like uh, your ear gets better and then I was listening back to the poly effects one and I'm like these are terrible uh, <laughs> and then that's like uh, you change alias and and then obviously I think that was more because it was just kind of finding it was a bit more personal and my productions were getting better at that point um, did you just self teach or did you have like yeah a I mean I, yeah not got any kind of traditional uh, like music theory like background I didn't do music at school so no you didn't learn any instruments or anything no no instruments at all wow. um but yeah, it's all just been purely like, just self-taught, a uh, combination of kind of, uh, a lot of like YouTube tutorials, I learned a lot from that. Um, but then also, there's a book that I got called by Attack Magazine called The Secrets to Dance Music Production. There you go, so everyone. I'd recommend that. Uh, <laughs> if you're starting out, it's literally like the kind of production bible, and it's very like, because I think the difficulty with like learning music because in in the grand scheme of things it is quite like a niche like dance music within the whole kind of music uh, spectrum um, but this uh, book I was like it's very kind of focused on like dance music oh, and cool. like it does like some of the pages are like track breakdowns of like tracks like uh, like Blawan or like uh, Daft Punk and stuff like that oh. so it's like it's da uh, sorry it's uh, dance music focused um, so yeah, I learned a lot from that, but then also just like, just kind of like doing things and like, like creating and like the more you kind of create, the more you kind of find the sound, the, like you learn just things like naturally yeah, just sound. yourself, like <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you just kind of learn like little things and like how, how, cause at the end of the day, like using like a, like a DAW, like I started off in Logic, but then I moved to Ableton, like even just learning like how they work. It's like, there's not really, like, you could read, like, a manual for it, but, like, it, it, it depends on, like, what you want to get out of it. You, um, you reckon you've actually got to kind of get on it and just yeah, I think fiddle it's like, with it for a while? Yeah, exactly. Um, and you kind of touched on it a little bit there, like, creating. What's, how do you go about your creative process? Do you use, like, voice notes or do you start, do you just, like, make, like, a, a you know, a drum, a drum sequence or... Like, how do you go about producing a track? Yeah. Well, or I think vary? 
probably the I think the largest part of like uh, like when it comes to creating a track, the the most uh, the longest part of creating a track is probably like the idea of a track. Like when it, when you've got like a good idea for a track, whether it's like a lead or a vocal or like putting it all together, the actual like constructing of the track doesn't take as long as I'd say like coming up with the idea for it. So a lot of the time it's just like finding that inspiration like for a track, but um, yeah, it just depends. Like sometimes like you might have kind of like writer's block and you're not really got much inspiration, but there's like there's ways to like combat that. Um, like I always find just like listening to music, like listening to other producers that I like and like listening to their tracks helps and you can kind of use that as like a reference almost. Mm. So you identify like what they've done and like like if it's like a certain lead or stuff like that. But then also like maybe just like messing around with sounds and um, like seeing if you can like find something cool and how that sounds and then making a track out of it. But I think uh, when you're making like a track, like a good thing to remember, I'm sure it's something I, I learned from that book actually. But um, <laughs> you always kind of got to think about like, what is like the purpose of this track? Like even in a club setting, like every like a, a lot of tracks can have like a, a different purpose. Like you can have like a, maybe more of like a, a tool track. You can have like more of a, like an emotive track. You can have like a peak time driving track. It's like, what do you, what does, this trying to achieve essentially mm. and you always got to think about that with like when you're building the track so if it gets to like uh your arrangement if it's going to be like a kind of big like peak time main room track you maybe like solo out like the kick in the bass and like the lead like just for like big effects like big moments when they're djing um if it's more an emotive one maybe you got like a longer breakdown and stuff like that yeah right. but like that can really impact like how you how you mix the track, um, like the EQ and stuff like that, and also the arrangement of it. If you think about like what the purpose of it is. Yeah. So, when you're thinking of an idea of a track, so do you say to yourself, do you go, I want to make, you know, an emotive track that would be great for like a closer, and yeah. then try and, you know, replicate that and like or or for example like something like hear the sound that's like a peak time yeah. techno track when you were starting that were you like okay i want to make a peak time techno track that's going to be played you know balls to the wall in like a big packed club is that kind of the visualization you have yeah for i guess we hear the sound that was like probably the the idea behind that i think that started off with um i was uh i was messing around with um so was, the, the idea was like, yeah, it probably was to come up with like a, a big track. And I always think like a big track needs like a big lead. Um, so I was like using like different sounds and stuff like that. And I was messing up. I think I'd programmed in the MIDI of the... And then uh, I was kind of going through like presets. So like the, the hear, hear the sound, the the synth line it, it's, a, it's a preset I'm not saying which one but maybe someone someone actually uh, solved it the other day um, but it is a preset on like a, a soft synth um, but I came out uh, put that preset on along with the melody and I was like that sounds like quite like a powerful lead and uh, I knew that like if, if I had like a really strong like kick and bass behind that then it would just be like a big track um so then that was, that was the idea part kind of done and then the rest of it was just kind of like fleshing out 
Um, it's quite. I think overall, it's quite like a simple track. It's just like the drums, and then there's the the lead, and then there's a little bit of a change up, um, and then the vocals as well, which are actually my vocals. Don't I? Like. Yeah, the only time I've, I've ever had my vocals on a track. That's cool. It turned out to be the the biggest. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe we can see some <laughs> more Frank vocals. Just become like an MC or a rapper or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe sometime. But um, yeah, it was, I mean, they're obviously like very heavily, like a lot of effects and kind of like chopped up and edited quite a bit. But mm. um, yeah, I think it is. It is. A, it is a hard hitting track. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I remember when it dropped. It was just like took the world by storm, especially on social media. You actually question I have for you actually is. You know, you're quite active on, on social media and I, I feel that it's a really big part of, you know, dance music in the modern day, like any sort of music, really, in the yeah. modern day these days. Um, how do you go with managing all of that? Yeah, it's like, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a weird one because, like, it's um, it's such an like, effective tool to like, speak to like your, your listeners and your mm. followers and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I think like for for like personal reasons, like I don't, if I wasn't like DJing or producing, I don't think I'd probably use Instagram really as much, because um, I feel like the in terms of like, interacting like socially with other people, I prefer like obviously just like see my mates in real life and stuff like that. So I don't really like, I wouldn't really get a kick off like posting a photo when it gets like X amount of likes like, uh, to me that doesn't really mean much but if you look at like from if you're a DJ and you're way like have a way to like communicate with your your listeners and your followers and it is a really an effective tool mm. um, and like I don't I like I use it I guess because like you, you have to in, in this industry but like by no means is it like is it, like fake. I, I'm just completely like myself. Like everything that like I put up and the way I speak, I'm just like always just trying to be myself. Especially like when I comment stuff, I probably comment like pretty stupid stuff. But <laughs> I just like try to let like kind of your personality shine through a bit. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, like I think that's one thing nowadays that like people probably relate more to like a personality, like. I mean, there's so many kind of like variables and factors, but like that make like a DJ kind of like successful and whatnot. It can be like how you are as a DJ. That probably should be the main one, but like <laughs> it's not always the most important. It could be like the tracks you produce and this and that, or sometimes it could just be like your your online presence. Definitely. But um, I just uh, I just try to be myself, and like I think it's like I'm pretty like I'm not really serious about a lot of things, and maybe people enjoy that, and it kind of helps people engage with you I guess yeah definitely and I, I feel that you know that's a one main reason as to why you know I started this show is to you know get artists on who um, I not only you know like and admire but you know the wider community like and enjoy their music and yeah. like and admire them but also but to also give them the opportunity to share their personality. Yeah, and um, Because all you see often is how they portray themselves on social media. You know, them, you, you see them DJing or you see or hear their productions. You don't actually, 
you know know what they did as a job growing up and or yeah. you know what inspired them to you know get into the scene so i find that it's been you know such a really um you know powerful experience for me to get to know an artist but also you know the wider community to hear their story because um yeah it's amazing what you know you and all the other artists that i've had on have been able to do but it's even more cool to like get to know what makes them tick and the fact that you love buck fast (laughs) a lot that's is, key. Um, is, I, w- I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for Buckfast. <laughs> <laughs> There's shout out number three. Yeah, We've only got two to go. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of touched on hanging out with mates and everything before, but what do you like to do outside of music for fun? Um, just drink Buckfast. Really. <laughs> <laughs> There's four. <laughs> We're coming uh, almost there. Yeah, it's quite. It's, I guess it's quite strange. Like. Um, I mean, uh, I've always been like, uh, I mean, I've got like a kind of plethora of like strange interests and stuff like that. But, um, what's one? Love the USC, big fan of the USC. Nice. So, uh, <laughs> Josh Della Maddalena. Yeah, fucking big up Sim. I yeah. was really, I had a lot of money on folk though, so. <laughs> I mean, I'm just a fan of them, but I also like really. Is that part of your DJ fee? You're like, okay, <laughs> half of this goes to money on folk. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, never can. Bulk. But, um, bulk. Yeah, big fan of UFC, but yeah, and like, like, like I spent a lot of time just like seeing my mates and like uh, trying to keep active and stuff like that. But yeah, it's been one of these things like, as of recent, it does kind of uh, consume like a lot of your life. When yeah, definitely. You get to this, um, when you get to this stage, especially when like back in January, like before I came, this has been like a relatively relaxed month for me as a whole, like having about five gigs in a month, like pretty much like one a weekend. But back in January, when I was in Europe, it was like, I done like 13 gigs in January. Really? So it was yeah. pretty much like, every week was two I think there was two weeks that were three gigs a week so yeah it's just like it, it can be a, a bit full on um, and they kind of you do kind of have to sacrifice a lot of stuff yeah. especially when it is like Friday or Saturday or Friday or Sunday like obviously a lot of time that's when your mates will be doing things I think it's definitely something that it's worth considering if, if you are someone that is like you've decided that you want to do this as a career um, it, by all means go for it but it's definitely worth considering that there's like there's a side of it that like isn't as amazing mm. and, like I don't want to be like complaining about it because I'm like extremely like fortuitous to be in the position I'm in um, like living the dream <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah it's like it can be like really lonely like you spend so much time travelling you kind of miss out on like uh, time with your mates and stuff like that. Uh, there's the social interactions that so you're like constantly having a bevy. I mean that sounds class, but like <laughs> <laughs> when it's just like sometimes like maybe you don't want to, and like you're just always in like a party environment. Um, so it can be a bit like taxing just physically and mentally. But yeah, so it's it's, it's worth like considering that. But um, yeah, I wouldn't change it. That's what I would do. But yeah, yeah don't don't see. I think this year I'll probably see my mates like not as much, but um, 
just need to make friends around the world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we've made a fair few in uh, in Melbourne already, anyway. Yeah. So, um, and you make a few up in Sydney. The the Pulse Boys are good fun. Yeah. Shout out the Pulse Boys. Uh, played at one of their parties uh, last year, and um, yeah, it was heaps of fun. Um, it's a it's a fun fun environment up there. What what club are you playing at? Do you know? Uh, I think it's called uh, Metro Social. Metro Social, yeah, I'm not or sure. Me- Metro Symphony. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, anyway, I do. You, when you're going out back in Edinburgh, what's what was the like the the techno scene like? Because didn't they have a really? Sorry, I'm winding back a little bit. What 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 sort of? Um, they had a really strong techno scene. Was it in the nineties? I heard. Yeah. I heard tales of. That was really strong then. Yeah, well, this is a. Uh, Should have asked you this earlier. I don't know why <laughs> it came to me, but. No, we'll do that. We'll do a full kind of. Uh, full We're going circle, full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's yeah. Sometimes because uh, I think I'm like in the grand scheme of things, like at this level, I'm, there's not many kind of other Scottish artists that are kind of uh, going around the world uh, DJing. Mm. Um, so sometimes I, I, I leave comments saying like make uh, Scottish techno great again, <laughs> <laughs> and they get like a wee like you need to get Donald a Trump like MAGA hat with yeah. make a load of MST AG or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be great. Oh, not the same ring. Let's get it going. Actually, <laughs> I'm keen. But yeah, it definitely. Like, if you go back to the nineties, like we were like one of the kind of pioneers of like techno. Um, there was wow. like a lot of clubs. There's a club like I can't remember what it's called. Uh, someone will know, but it's like near uh, like Waverly train station. I think it's called Fusion, maybe. But that was like a famous club, and then even like studio, like that, like people like Jeff Mills played it. Oh studio, really? I think. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, so like we we kind of played host to like a lot of like big artists and just the kind of general culture, um, probably more so Glasgow. But like I said, there was like some big clubs in Edinburgh as well. Mm. But. Um, yeah, it seems to have just kind of like faded away. Um, I don't know if that's maybe partly like the councils to blame. Like a lot of these clubs have like shut down. Like studio shut because there was like noise complaints uh, no. from like uh, so the like, studio's been there for years, and then these uh, property developments like come in after, and then they complain about noise. It's like <laughs> you're building flats next to a club. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, like maybe they're partly to blame, but it seems to have kind of like faded away. But I'd say like in the time that I've like been doing this, I've uh, noticed that like not only just the kind of public opinion of it, like in Scotland, but also like a lot of other artists like um, that are going to be coming up as well. Cool. So it seems like it's uh, it's definitely on the up anyway. Is there a a uh, big like elite <laughs> just poured half that on myself <laughs> <laughs> oh, cut that out <laughs> <laughs> Frank just proceeded to wear most of his beer <laughs> um, really is, there, is there a big illegal rave culture in Edinburgh um, there was like I've been to some and like I think it is a thing but not as like I think it was like a lot bigger in Glasgow um, I'm sure uh, 
uh, one of my my colleagues, uh, Aisha, who had done the joint EP together. Oh, yeah. Shout nice. out Aisha. Um, she was out part of a collective uh, called Lunacy. I think they used to do like illegal raves. Or maybe they're not illegal. Or maybe I'm just grassing them, who knows? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> God, you've given them an anti shout out. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But uh, I think it was probably bigger in Glasgow, but there's a couple that I've been to in Edinburgh. But I don't think it's like as big a scene and like maybe like down in England and like Europe I think illegal rave culture is quite big but I think it's more just to do with like there's not as much like an appetite maybe mm. I mean I heard a story that you went to a rave in Arthur's seat and there was actually no decks present <laughs> yeah is that right? <laughs> yeah that, that was uh, well, I must have been Ali that told you that <laughs> but uh, yeah it was like a I think it's called the Innocent Railway. I think that's where it was. But it's like, I think it's like a disused uh, railway tunnel. But it's like really long, I, ideal spot for like a rave um, for the acoustics because it's in a big tunnel. Um, but yeah, we we knew it was like happening, uh, so we're like, yeah, sweet, we'll go. But we're uh, we're DJing. This is like part of my DJ career as well. It's been like a large. Uh, period of it, like DJing in bars. Um, I think that's another like great way to kind of get involved. It's a little bit hard if you're like, I only want to play like heavy, fast techno. And you go to like a nice like bar, and you're like, boom, boom. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck's this guy doing? Um, but yeah, back then I was playing like a lot of like house and disco anyway. So and it was a good practice to kind of start playing to a crowd. Um, but yeah, my best mate Ali. Uh, he lives in London now, but he used to live in Edinburgh, so we used to just do that like back to back most of the time. Oh, cool! Because it was like five hours of DJing, getting paid. We've got like unlimited pints. It was like it just felt like we were like just in the flat, like having a drink, putting on tunes. But then we were getting paid it, paid for it at the end. So it was it was quite a nice sweet gig. Um, but yeah, Aqua. So then we're we're DJing there. It was on a Friday. And then uh, we finished up. So like, we, and we had to like bring the decks to Agfa. Um So we was had that our, the right. No, Agfa was like the bar that oh, we did. You know? right. But they didn't have like decks. So like, it was. I think it was Ali's decks actually. Um, but we had a uh, the decks with us because we were DJing at Agfa, and we just went straight from the bar to this illegal rave. And we get there and like, I don't know. They're, Probably like on a lot of substances anyway. So they're like trying to like get up and like set up and they're like oh, getting all the speakers ready and then they're like, oh, what? Like we don't have decks. <laughs> and it's like, but you don't have, like, surely that's one of the key components to like, <laughs> to fucking put on a rave. Um, and they're like, well, uh, it just so happens that we have decks on us. You have um, decks on you? Yeah, because we just came straight from the bar and Where, like, where were they? In your backpack? No, I had like a kind of. Like a, oh, like a, oh, a, I was going to say a soft case, but I don't even think Ali had a, a soft road case. case. I'm sure is that what they're called. Yeah, a road case, isn't that what they? No, call well, it? sometimes you get like flight cases, but I think they're the really for the decks I have now. I've got like a flight case for them, but they're like really fucking sturdy silver ah. cases. But then you can also get a soft case, which is just like a little shell padding. But I don't even think we had that. I'm pretty sure like Ali used to just go about with that in like a black bin bag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so like, yeah, we just like had that on us, and we're like, oh well, this is convenient. Like we've literally got decks on us. And then you played at it. Yeah, we played for a wee bit, but then they're all just like 
kicked you off and you had and you brought your, the deck. Like the, the party would have been nothing if exactly. you and Ali didn't rock up. I, I mean, we were we'd already done a five-hour shift. Yeah, that's ETM. true. We kind of wanted to just enjoy ourselves. Fair enough. Like, we were just letting all the inebriated idiots have their fun anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's come to the time of the chat. It's called Ricky's Quickies. Oh, nice. And so... It's a euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's come to... Yeah, so as I said, it's come to... <laughs> call me off guard. <laughs> I just need quickfire answers to some quickfire questions. Nice, okay. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah. Produce or DJ for the rest of your life? It's not very quick. Um, produce... Just because, I mean, I'm not going to be, like, B-touring when I'm, like, in my 40s and stuff. You might. Maybe. <laughs> be like a, a Carl Cox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still going. He's, like, what, 60s? Yeah, he's pretty old, I think. I was, I've been... I've, no offence, Carl. I've been... <laughs> he, lives, he lives in Frankston. Here. Like, in <laughs> Melbourne, yeah. I Randomly. I thought he still was, like... He's from, like, London, I think, isn't he? But yeah, UK. I'm actually reading his autobiography. It's yeah. great. He's that cool guy. I've watched a couple of things. Yeah, he's really cool. Anyway, back to the quick <laughs> Favourite venue you've played at around the world? Oh, around the world. I mean, I thought, like, it's difficult because I've got a soft spot for like, the some of the Edinburgh clubs. But, like, if I was to take bias out of the equation, there's so many other, like, factors as well. Though. Um, but with bias out of the equation, i maybe say... Mondo in Madrid. Madrid. Yeah, that was really good. Why was it so good? Sorry. To just say, uh, like I said, like, there's there's a lot of, like the sound and light in there is like spot on, and the crowd was like really good. In comparison to like other European clouds, uh, crowds that I've played to, like it felt like really much like I was like like a Scottish crowd. Like, they're all just like screaming and shouting, like taps ass swinging them about. Um, <laughs> so that was nice, and it, it was. Like the actual set that I done, I really enjoyed it, and it was like a freer set, which I wasn't too used to, but um, it went really well. So it kind of added to the whole package. Nice. But I'll also give a shout out to uh, Fold in London. Oh, Fold! You've had it Fold. Yeah. Wow. It was an interesting party, anyway. It was kind of like, it was yeah. I mean, it was a cool party. I mean, it could have been like a little bit busier, but. Um, yeah, the the sound and light in there is really cool. Like, uh, fold would be like if I was having, like, a, making up like a dream club. Like, fold is probably like what I would, how I'd make it. I just ticked all those boxes. That's what um that was the club that I uh, had um Adam Pitts and Lassine in here, and they said that that would be their dream club to play at. Yeah, it's just like it's it must be like like someone who's like obviously like been involved in the scene. And someone who just like knows their shit, I reckon like that's that must be the owner of Fold because it's just like so tailored to like the, like the raver, like it's just like how it should be. Can you go there? For Edinburgh as well, obviously. Like uh, Bongo is like a kind of bigger club. That's probably my favourite Edinburgh club. And then Sneakies is like it's like a little hundred capacity like sweat box. Always got a soft place in my heart for Sneakies, um, but like. Like I said, I've got like, it's more like bias with them. Yeah. But yeah. if I was to put Bongo next to like Mondo without the bias, I'd probably say Mondo is a better club. So yeah, I'll go with Mondo. Nice. <laughs> what would your last meal on earth be? Last meal on earth? 
So it'd be, it's probably quite generic, but the first one that did come to mind would, would be a steak. That's fair enough. I just think like a nice juicy medium rare fillet, like like it would just be like a a, a good a good way to bow out on top of that. Some <laughs> chips, I guess, or mashed potato maybe. I like it. You're getting a phone call. Oh yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> I was gonna say answer it and put it on screen. <laughs> um a UK number as well. Favourite um, thing that you've eaten since coming to Australia? <laughs> Um, the parmies are pretty good. The parmy. Apparently, you have mayo with your parmy. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> well, not really. It wasn't maybe like with the parmy, but like obviously it comes with chips. So like, <laughs> I, I like some mayo with my chips. I would not put the the mayo on the actual chicken itself. You didn't. No. Okay. But I mean, I didn't actually even get the mayo in the end. What? We were see. <laughs> like, gave you gravy. Didn't yeah. You? So we, we came. Like, the guy comes over the table, puts some down, and I was like, "You need anything else?" Calm and Tom were like, "Yeah, I want some gravy." He said, "What do you want?" And I was like, "Can I have some mayo?" Like, yeah. It's like mayo, mayonnaise. And I look at Calm and Tom like, "Do you have mayo in Australia?" Is like, "Is that a thing?" <laughs> <laughs> he just he, he just couldn't understand me for some reason, and then they said it as well, like mayo, mayonnaise. He comes back with some gravy. Like, fair enough. <laughs> but the, the gravy actually works really well, to be honest. Gravy is good with a pony. Yeah. But yeah. funny story, though. Um, so, because like, you call it like parmy, but then there's also like a debate oh, about no. calling it parma. Yeah, sensitive topic. Yeah, sensitive Depends topic. where you're from. But wait, wait for this. This will blow your mind. So, like, I was actually familiar with them already because, like, I, I don't think... I've never been here. I've never, like, had one from here. But there's an area... Uh, a city in like England, Middlesbrough, and like it's their thing. Like they 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 ha- do like the same dish essentially. I think maybe minus the ham, but it's like a breaded chicken, tomato sauce and cheese. But they call it a parmo. A parmo. Yeah. So it's like you got parmies and parmos here, and then Middlesbrough have parmos. So like I mean, it is lacking <laughs> the ham, so I can. It's yeah, kind of not the same maybe thing. Maybe it's a different dish. Yeah, but, but it's funny. It must have been someone. Maybe I reckon probably Australia had it first. Maybe someone from Middlesbrough came over and we're like, "This is pretty good." I'll take it back. I just changed the bill on the end. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, but that was my first time having one when I came over. But nice. yeah, and what did good. you think? Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with chicken, cheese, and chips. Yeah, gravy, <laughs> not mayo, sadly, but <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, not mayo. What's your favourite ice cream flavour? Ice cream. Mm. So, would you kind of like sorbets and that? What's your favourite sorbet flavour? Yeah, I like a lemon sorbet nice. or like a passion fruit sorbet. That's yeah, nice. nice. Yeah. I'm probably mango. Yeah, mango's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, finish All the yellow ones. <laughs> <laughs> finish the sentence. Buckfast makes you. <laughs> Perfectly done. There's the fifth shout out. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Thank you, Buckfast. Uh, I'll send you my address. <laughs> Imagine if you got home, there's just like a big crate. Imagine. I'll be doing this more often. <laughs> What's your biggest fear? Oh, um, 
Uh, probably spiders, to be honest. Me too. Yeah, thank that you. Came all the way to Australia, and it's kind of freaking me out. A little have bit. you seen any? In no, I've not seen any, but like I do have like. I mean, I won't be able to get on camera, but I've got like a red bump on my leg that only appeared in like the last like day, and like. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I did go on Google and I was like, <laughs> I'm in Australia, I have a red bump on my leg. Like, should I phone like the hospital or something like that? So, from what I gathered, like, I, f- I think if it was anything bad, it'd be quite an immediate response. Yeah, you probably so would know about it. I don't need to dial triple uh, zero just yet. Yeah. But, um, yeah. If I you think start acting a bit weird or something or start sending <laughs> me weird messages, I'll probably call you. That's probably just a buck faster. But yeah, I guess from all I've heard, it seems like it's it's not really common in the cities, like insects nah. and shit like that. Touch um, wood, we, ha- we, yeah. we don't get any spiders in my house, which is nice, in Richmond, in, like, which is pretty much in the city. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you see a few in country Victoria. Down where yeah. Gay's from, in Marshall, he was in like really? country Victoria, there's a fuckload of spiders down there. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen videos, I think there's one... Uh, I think it's, it's called like the desert spider or something like that but like I might seen a video like years ago when I was younger the camel and, uh, spider eh? is it the camel spider yeah I think it might be that the really big and they lift like, up and yeah, it's like yeah yeah the it's limb. in the desert yeah trust oh, me it's in my nightmares man. That. imagine <laughs> seeing that like I would absolutely they're huge shit oh. myself no. the thing is like there's a lot of insects that like I don't really mind like say if you see like like a beetle or something like that I'm like don't really mind that or like worms and whatever but it's just something about spiders they just freak me out fair enough they're horrible sometimes the dark as well (laughs) shouts to the dark (laughs) (laughs) need to play at more day parties get him out of the dark that's why I'm coming here more often (laughs) (laughs) alright you're stuck on a desert island apart from the necessities what are three things that you take with you from necessities yeah like food water like that so that, that, that no, you can take uh, that <laughs> yeah maybe that um, hmm maybe like a uh, uh, desert island so I've got three things maybe like a Sudoku book really yeah you like a, yeah or like a crossword book or something like that I don't know, you've probably got a lot of time on your hands. I was going to say, like, something chess-related, because I'm quite on my chess right now. But you obviously need someone to play that with, so you can <laughs> be a bit, uh... You can't play with, like, fucking Adrian the Coconut. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe something like Sudoku or something like that. Um, and you've got one more. Yeah, um... Maybe something like survival related, like I don't know, like a lighter or something perhaps. Oh yeah, a lighter <laughs> or a knife. Yeah, that'd probably be quite useful. Like a lighter, yeah, we'll go a lighter and uh, a bit of um, like a knife, yeah. A nice. A lighter knife and a stucco book. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a nickname? Uh, no, nah, not really. I mean, like it turns out that like Frankie, because Frankie's like my given name. Is it? Yeah. My actual like, birth name is Francis, but um, ah. it's a little bit wanky. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, like, I, I've I met someone know. called Francis today, funnily enough. Oh, poor, poor guy or girl. It's probably <laughs> quite a unisex name as well. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what my mum was thinking. Like, she, she called me like Francis, but then like, at no point did we like ever use that. It was always just like, okay, like this is your birth name, Francis, but then it was just always Frankie. So Frankie is just like my actual name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, either people would call me Frankie or Frank normally. But 
like, it seems to be one of the most like nicknameable names known to man. Like I've just heard so many different variations of like Francisco or <laughs> Frankenstein or <laughs> Frankincense and <laughs> Francois. Yeah, yeah, there is a few actually. Now that you the say. list goes on, but <laughs> yeah, not nothing like that interesting. They're all just variations of Frank, really. Fair enough. If you could be any animal, what would you be? Oh, good question. Um, I'd normally say like a sloth because it seems like they have like quite an easy life. They just like chill. But I've heard that like they're actually quite violent and dangerous creatures. The only reason that they're not really a threat is because they're so like fucking like stoned all the time. Um, <laughs> and I I'm not like a violent or a threatening kind of guy, so I wouldn't say a sloth. But yeah, no, oh, maybe like a koala or something like that. Yeah, Keep it Australian themed. Yeah, nice. I like it. <laughs> Eat gum leaves. They're pretty like yeah. chillaxed. They're pretty chill. So. I just be have you seen one since you've been here? Nah, I've never seen any. I've not seen like a kangaroo or a koala. Or oh. no crocodiles. We gotta get you to see <laughs> one for sure. Oh. Well, who is your favourite peep show character? <laughs> That's great. Um, is that from the, the research? Or are you just also a Peep Show fan? I'm a Peep Show fan. Oh, really? Nice. I love Peep Show. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty close battle between either Hans or Johnson. Yeah. Um, I've been really watching it with my housemate lately. Yeah. Hans is like... It's good. But I'd say, like... Yeah, maybe go with Johnson. Just, like, every scene that Johnson's in is, like... It's just always just, like, quotable... Yeah, when, when uh, Mark walks into the office and he's doing Tachi. <laughs> Just doing my Tachi. Give me five more minutes. Usually yeah. <laughs> oh, so it takes ten minutes. I'm done in five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Johnson's great. So good. Um, Future's amazing. Do you believe in the Loch Ness Monster? Um, that was one submitted by my girlfriend, Ella Rutherford. I believe in anything, to be honest. I believe in anything that's unproven. I think, like, I mean, it could... So I, I, I mean, we maybe don't want to go down the religious route, but yeah, I, I think it's agnostic. That's probably why I'd be. I wouldn't say like I believe in Jesus, but like I wouldn't not believe in him. I just think there's no way to prove him. So like Jesus is kind of similar to the Loch Ness monster in a way. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you can disprove the Loch Ness monster, but we also don't have proof of his or her existence. That is a great answer. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Do you, sorry, my next question was, is it true that you like mayo on your palmy? <laughs> he likes mayo, but... I've never tried it. Yeah, he's never tried it. If I get it. If I was to shake your hand and say, British Army, what, is, <laughs> what does this mean? Yeah, it's just, uh, uh, so you think about me and Ali help as well. <laughs> you don't have I'm to I'm not entirely it. actually sure what. You don't have to it, go into it. It was literally, um... I, I can't. I mean, I know like how it started, but I can't remember the setting. But um, it was just like some guy that like, came up to us and uh, shook our hands, and he was like British Army, and I don't really know what the the inspiration was behind it. So then it just became a running thing with me and Ali. We just like we shake each other's hands and be like British Army, <laughs> British Army. Nah, shout out Ali. He's giving me some good mail. <laughs> yeah. It's your last ever gig. What do you close with? Tough question. I probably yeah, should have worded one. you up prior to the interview to have a bit of a think about it. But um, 
One, uh, I mean, a lot of my sets aren't like that serious like, when I play. Like, I'm not playing it like it's my last set. Like one, so like, it's probably like it might just be like a big banger that I normally close on. One that I've been kind of enjoying recently is uh, the DJ Tretex Nelly Furtado All Good Things Come to an End track. Very fitting as well, aptly titled. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously like not like it's just an edit. If it was like my last ever set. Like, I would want to go out on like, like a classic. I think, um, what's it, uh, you know, uh, DJ Rolando, Knights of Jaguar. I know the track name, but I can't like, actually think of the oh, track. It's, like, it's kind of like a techno one, but it's like... I'll, uh, I'll make sure that the track is playing right now as yeah. we're talking in the background of our but it's like it's one of those ones it's just like I think it, it was released on a Underground Resistance so like it's like a classic track and I think like obviously if it was if it was your last ever set last ever tune you don't want to like bow on some like stupid edit or something like that you want to go for like an iconic classic track and um, that one it's like the build up to it is like so dramatic and then near the end there's like kind of uh, orchestra instruments that come up and like a big uh, I don't know crescendo is probably the musical term for that yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah it's just like dramatic and I feel like that'd be a nice way to like bow out that'd probably be one that would come to mind but I'm sure I could probably think of a better one but we'll go with that I like DJ it DJ Orlando Knights of Jaguar beautiful <laughs> that wraps up Ricky's quickies and that also wraps up the chat being very generous with your time. We had some technical difficulties at the start, so I thank yeah. you for your patience. It's good. It's nice to um nice to get it happening and nice to connect and have you in the here in the studio. And um yeah, can't thank you enough for coming on the show, Frank. It's, it's been pleasure. uh my been pleasure. super nice sitting down with you. All the best the rest of your tour as well. Thank you very much. I'm sure I'll see you about. <laughs> for sure. In uh in Scotland you're gonna have to take me around yeah, a few clubs. Lead me astray. <laughs> Bottle sure. of Buckfast underneath my arm and just lead me That's astray. It's the only way. It's the only way, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. Cheers.